0: Turn your Bibles to the 90th Psalm today, not Psalm 90. Well, this morning we're going to begin a series of messages. This is our first message in this new series. I've entitled the series, This is My Story, This is My Psalm. Uh, We are familiar with the the hymn, This is My Story, This is My Song. And and so we're going to play off of that a little bit. And again, This is My Story, This is My Psalm. As we begin in this new series, I'm still not sure how it's going to all play out. Um, I certainly do believe that the Lord led me to this study, and and we're to begin now. But the question has been, how do we do this? Uh, Would we study every chapter? There's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. Now, you take a typical year with, with guest speakers and different events We're looking at three years of of messages if we were to go through every psalm, and I don't know if that would be prudent or the best way to go about it. I then considered would we study just the psalms that David wrote or the ones that we know that David wrote, and that would still be 73 of them, a lengthy series of messages, Plus, there's a lot of good ones that David didn't write, and I didn't know if I liked that idea. And so as of right now, I want to venture into this study and ask the Lord to continue to direct from message to message, and we'll just see where God guides us. I don't think we'll go in any systematic approach of 1 through 150 or anything like that, just as God guides and directs. And I've also considered we might do Psalms for a while and then take a hit the pause button, do some other things, and then come back and complete it in that fashion. But I certainly am looking forward to this study, have been for some time, as I have accumulated some information and some studies and materials, and I am excited about what the Lord has in store for us. Psalms, is it the longest book in the Bible? I'm waiting for somebody to answer me. Nobody wants to. By chapters anyways, right? 150. No other book comes close as far as chapters. Now, I asked that question to Google. And I got conflicting information from Google. (laughs) I read several that said Jeremiah has more words than any other. And then actually Genesis and then Psalms. But then I read another one that did a study and said Psalms was number, number one. So, I don't know. All right, and uh, I'll give that to you if you want to find that out. But it certainly is a long book. Because of where it's placed in our Bible, there's a lot of uh, middle things in it. The middle, the two middle verses of the Bible are from Psalms. Uh, look at Psalm, the 103, uh, Psalm, Psalm 103. The, the two middle verses of all the Bible are verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, those are some good verses to have as some key mid-verses of the Bible, wouldn't you think? Uh, The middle chapter of the Bible is Psalm 117. That also happens to be the shortest chapter in the Psalms and in the Bible. Uh, Just, I believe, two verses, Psalm 117. And then just a couple of uh, chapters after that is Psalm 119, longest chapter in all the Bible. Uh, Psalm 119, 176 verses I believe, 22 stanzas, Uh, each stanza has 8 verses. Uh, each stanza begins with a, the, 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 the letter in the Hebrew alphabet, 1 through 22, in that order. It truly is a masterpiece, Psalm 119. It shows us it would be nearly impossible for a human to write something such as that, and it certainly lends towards us believing in the divinely inspired Word of God, God writing His Word through human penmen. And uh, what an amazing uh, chapter and an amazing book, Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm, the, the book of Psalms, is a, a book of poetry. Now, when we think of poetry in our Western world, we think of poetry primarily based upon rhyme and rhythm. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. I smile all day because of you. I'm pointing at my wife, by the way, not, not Tom, all right? Don't get the wrong idea, Tom, I don't... My wife, right behind you. Tom would say, roses are red, violets are blue. If I had a brick, I'd throw it at you. (laughs) We're used to rhyme and rhythm in in our poetry, but Eastern poetry, Hebrew poetry, is more about contrast and comparison, repetition and parallelism. So although we would call this a book of poetry, don't expect to hear this rhyme and rhythm as we go through it. I mentioned already it's certainly God's word. God wrote these, but God used men. Um, David, you may have even thought that David is the author of all 150 psalms, and that's not true, but he did write the majority of them. At least 73 that are named David that give his name with it or we find it elsewhere in the scripture that he gets credit for a particular psalm but there's at least 12 others that many believe he probably penned and again he is known as the sweet psalmist of Israel there's a man named Asaph he was David's uh, music, one of his musicians, and he wrote twelve. Korah, or the sons of Korah, a, a major Levitical family, are, are, are given credit for eleven psalms. Solomon, David's son, wrote two. Moses, the psalm we'll study today, wrote at least one. Some believe that he wrote Psalm ninety, or it says he wrote Psalm ninety and also ninety-one, but that's not stated. And then there's a couple of guys we don't know that much about them other than their names being mentioned. Ethan, the Ezraite, is given credit for one psalm. And then a guy named Heman, Heman, H-E-M-A-N, the Ezraite. And he contributed to Psalm 88. Maybe didn't write the whole thing, but along with the sons of Korah, he has a portion of that. And then there's at least 49 or 50, depending on if you believe what David did, of uh, unknown or orphan psalms not knowing who the author is the psalms cover a range from the days of the pentateuch we'll read about that one today in psalm chapter 90 the days of moses the days of of the wilderness wanderings all the way to hundreds of years into the future during the captivity period of the nation of israel and judah as they were taken captive psalm 44 69, 78, and Psalm 137 are all captivity psalms. Actually, as you look at the book of Psalms, the 150 chapters, they're broken down into five smaller books. And some of your Bibles might actually say that, might say book one, book two. We believe that the first two chapters are the introduction to the entire book. And then from chapters three through 41 is book one. One. Book 2 is chapters 42 to 72. Book 3 is from 73 to 89. Book 4, the 90th through 106. And then Book 5, 107 through 145. In fact, if you look at the last verse of each of those last chapters of those books, you'll see a concluding thought. You'll see as the psalmist wraps it up, and there are some some terms there that brings that section of Scripture to a close. And then there are the final five psalms that are the conclusion to the book. And those five psalms are all about praise. You'll see that word praise mentioned over and over and over again in those last five psalms. Each of the psalms... And this is not something that would be dogmatic or all the way across there. Sometimes there's a blend, and sometimes there's some in the back and the front that are different. But overall, the psalms fall into two categories. Either psalms of lament, mourning, sorrow, or psalms of praise. As I said, sometimes there's a blending in one chapter or one psalm. You might see both of those things. The psalms of lament tend to be more towards the beginning to the middle, and the songs of praise tend to be more from the middle to the end, but again, there's some that go back and forth there, but overall, into those two categories, lament and praise. It's likely today that if you read your Bible regularly, if you've spent any time at all in the Psalms, you probably have a favorite psalm. Well, it may not be your life verse or life passage or your favorite verse or passage in all the Bible, but you probably have a, a particular psalm that you, that you appreciate, that you love. In fact, how many of you have? You would say, yeah, I, I've got a psalm. That's, I, it's, it's something that's special to me, many hands. Um, uh, the psalms, God has used them and does use them to meet needs, comfort broken hearts, And gives hope and encouragement. It's been said that there's a psalm for every season of life. From the very beginning of life to the very end of life. From the highs of life to the lows of life. There's a psalm that you can go to and that will aid you. I was listening to someone teach on the book of Psalms in preparation for this series of messages I was actually g- cutting the grass when I was listening I had my headphones on and I was cutting my grass and a- as I'm going across there he this guy was teaching and and he was bringing up some some preacher from back in the 1800s and I don't remember who it was but that preacher from the 1800s said that the psalms were for had a psalm for every season of life and he says in fact if God's led you to a study in the psalms It's probably because you're soon going to need the Psalms. As I was cutting my grass, I paused for a moment. I said, "Uh uh-oh, am I about ready to head into a season of life? Difficulties, hard times. I must say that uh, I don't enjoy the difficulties of life, but as you know, all of us have experienced them. And if the Lord tarries, we'll continue to experience them. I've spoken to some people today that just recently have discovered some things. Some things have been revealed and they're about ready to enter into a difficult season of life. Health struggles. By the way, church, none of us are void from that. We live in a sin-cursed world. And because it's a sin-cursed world, uh, there are tragedies, there are uh, uh, difficulties, there are illnesses, there are, there, there's bad news, there are job losses, all of those things happen. But there's hope. There's help. And we often find those through the Psalms. Now, this morning I've taken a big portion of my time to introduce this book to us. I want to take just a few moments now and a few more minutes to introduce a particular psalm to us. And I've chosen, and I believe I'm led to Psalm 90 today. Certainly the oldest of the psalms. And many believe perhaps this is the oldest portion of scripture in our Bible, the first written. It's either this or the book of Job, although it doesn't come in first order. Uh, of location in our Bible. Many believe it to be one of the oldest passages in all the Bible written by Moses. And um, this psalm takes us back to the wilderness wanderings. Think of this after Egypt, but before Canaan. We just studied a little bit about Canaan there in the book of Joshua and that series of studies. Uh, this is after they're in their, their, their uh, captivity, their slavery time in the nation of Egypt, over 400 years of being captives in the nation of Egypt, being delivered. But before they go into the land of Canaan, there's a period of time known as the wilderness wanderings. Uh, shortly after their captivity and their release, Moses sent twelve spies into the land of Canaan. Uh, Ten of those spies came back with a negative or an evil report. They said that the the land is too large it 's too grand it 's too great. The people there are too many, too large. we can 't be victorious over them, and, and they said we should not go forward. Two men, Joshua and Caleb, said, No, let's believe God and let's go forward into the land of promise. Of course, we know what happened. The nation chose to believe the ten, follow after the ten. And because of that, God judges this nation. God allows them to live, but there's going to be a 40-year period of time when they wander in the wilderness. And in that 40-year period... This unbelieving generation, those that are 20 and above at that point, will die. It's a 40-year funeral march. Year after year, people dying, dying, funeral, funeral, waiting for this unbelieving generation to die off. And that is where we are at in Psalm chapter ninety. Moses is writing about it. He's reflecting on these things. And so as we read this psalm, let's consider the background. Let's consider what was going on. Let's consider the, the wilderness wanderings as we read through all 17 verses here. Follow along with me. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth. Wherever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Now let me just pause there and consider the the phrase, from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, Moses is highlighting here this aspect of God. It's his eternality. It's that his foreverness. It's this thought that God has always existed from everlasting, and he will always exist to this everlasting. Now, there are a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand, and yet I still believe them. Okay, And this happens to be one of those things. I don't have a full comprehension of eternality. Um, I guess I have a little bit, uh, understanding of looking forward that we're going to live forever somewhere and there's a forever and eternal life beyond us, but you think be, be behind us. Do you realize God never became? God always was. God didn't uh, one day just pop on the scene. God has always been. And if you want your mind, at least in my little simple mind, that causes my mind to get a little, wow, I don't get it. But I want you to know this today, I believe it. God has been from everlasting. to. I don't think Moses got it, but he believed it. And so here we have this everlasting, this eternal God that he is looking to, and he says this, thou, in verse number three, God, turnest man to, de- to destruction, and sayest, "Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight and God's sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as I watch in the night." Do you, do you understand that? The, how God measures time? Basically, a day is like a thousand years to God. Now, a thousand years for us—that's that's that's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? I mean, America—we're we're not even a quarter. We're almost there, but we're not even a quarter of that yet. Uh, this 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 uh, uh, this thousand year period, and yet that's just like a day and a night to God. Someone figured it out. If you're a hundred years old today, and God's eyes, you're two hours and 40 minutes old. You're just a newborn. Uh, If you're 50 years old, you're in God's eyes, that's an hour and 20 minutes. Now get this thought. This is a thought I'll continue on today. If you're 50 years old, which I happen to be just north of that now, I've got about 40 minutes of life left. When you look at it in the way God sees time, Look at verse five. Thou, still talking about God, carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath. Are we troubled? We've spoken about this on our Wednesday night study oftentimes we only want to see god in this light or in this lens of his mercy his grace his love but there is a side of god of wrath and of judgment we're seeing it specifically on wednesday nights in our study of the great tribulation and the wrath of god poured out upon us but even in the old testament there was times of wrath times of of god's judgment Verse number 8, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. What's he saying there? Your wrath upon them was what? Was 40 years until you die. Doesn't mean that all of them were going to die in that 40th year. But through those 40 years, there was going to be death after death after death. If they were uh, 20, uh, they would live to be uh, 25, they would live to be no more than 65. They had 40 years, and sometime in that 45 or 40 years, they would die. If they were 30, they would be no more than 70, and so on. He says, "We're living our lives. Our tale has already been told we're going to die." He's referring to this judgment that God has placed upon them. He says in verse number 10, the days of our, these people in this judgment, our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, 70 or 80 years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it soon it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath." Now, this will be our text this morning, 12 through 17. So, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. We, today, as we look at these verses, verses 12 through 17, I want to consider this thought or our title today, the gift of time. The gift of time. Time is the most valuable thing we have. Uh, when we think of the word value, we, we may, our minds may uh, initially go to cash or possessions, but it took someone time to come up with that cash or those possessions. And time, uh, we may not all have the same amount of wealth, but we all have time. Each of us have 24 hours today. That's 1,440 minutes today, 86,400 seconds that God has given to us. Now, it is true that the number of our days will differ. We just recently have heard of Pastor Tangerman's mom celebrating her 100th birthday. Amazing. That's a great. Amazing thing. Most of us will not make it to 100 in here, right? Uh, not likely. But whether we live 20 years, 50 years, or 100 years, the time that we do have is a gift from God. James chapter 4, verse 14, uh, we, we read this where it says, What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is brief. And the time we have is a gift, a gift from God. So with that in thought, I want us to think of four thoughts from this passage here today. Number one, let us value each day. Let us value each day. Consider with me verse number 12. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Moses said to number our days. Now if we were to take just on a 365-day calendar, no no leap years in there. If you're 20 years old in here today, you've had 7300 days thus far. If you're 40, you've had 1000, uh, excuse me, 14600 days. If you're 80, you've had 29200 days. But I don't think that's what the theme or the thought of that verse is that we number or we count them. The idea of that number, the word numbering there is the idea to weigh them, consider them, appreciate them, value them. Uh, I've heard two illustrations on this that I thought were helpful Someone said, Imagine that someone gave you 70 or 80 dollar bills, and, 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 and as each year goes by, you give a dollar back. Well, what happens? The, the, the less we get, or the, the fewer dollar bills we get, the more we should value those dollar bills. Another one, maybe even a more graphic picture of this, is the hourglass. Imagine if I had an hourglass here full of sand. And uh, as I turn that hourglass over, uh, the sand begins to fall from the top to the bottom. If you would consider your life like an hourglass. Sometime in 1970, in the womb of my mother, my hourglass began to pour out sand. And several years ago, I crossed over a, 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 a marker where I had more sand in the bottom than I do in the top. I'm on the other side of life now. I'm not living to 102. I'm going to die before that most likely. And so I've, I've lived the majority of my life, and as I've now gone through this, and listen, I've only got a few dollars left of that 70 or 80 that God's given me. I've only got a little bit of sin left in my hourglass. And the less we have, the more we should value it. We should appreciate it. A couple years ago, during our graduation ceremony, we had a missionary from our church that spoke at that, Bill Fennell. And uh, if you remember, if you were here, if any of those graduates were here, he had, a, he had a long rope. It was a rope, it was a white rope that went from here, the port platform, all the way to the back of the auditorium, to the back door. I think he had Emmer hold it. Took Emmer back there, and Emmer held one end of it, and 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 uh, Brother Finnell held the other one. It was this long white rope. The only part of the very tip of it up here, just maybe a quarter inch of it, was painted black, dark black. And he says, "Listen, this is eternity. And this little portion here is your life. Life is short. Life is brief." God's given us all a certain amount of time on this earth. And you ought to value it. You ought to appreciate it. And you ought to live in, in light of that this is a gift from God and value each day. Not only do we value each day, we remember God's mercies each day. Look at verse 13 and 14. He says, return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Uh, I believe Moses is emphasizing here, even in the midst of his wilderness wandering, even in the midst of this chastisement of God's wrath upon them, he's remembering the mercies of God. No doubt Moses could look back over his his years of life and and remember God's gracious mercies in his life multiple, multiple times. We could all do that today, couldn't we? We all probably have had moments in our life that we look back on as a, wow, I don't know how I made it out of that situation, out of that circumstance. And isn't it good for us to look back at those times and say, well, thank you, God, for your mercies. Now, whether it's something that just recently happened or it's something that was decades ago, we should remember the mercies of God. I met a man on door-to-door visitation many years ago back in my ministry in Pennsylvania. Knocked on his door and didn't, it, was, it was getting towards, uh, it was a summertime, it was getting, starting to get a little dark, and I didn't know if anybody was there, I saw lights on, but I knocked, and I was getting ready to leave, and I heard him running up the basement stairs, he had heard the knock that second time, and, and he opened the door, he was yeah, and I said, hey, and I told him who I was, and I was trying to meet some people in the neighborhood here, and, and wanted to invite him to church, he's like, yeah. I appreciate that. And he goes, I'll be there Sunday. He took the flyer and I thought, sure you will. You know, I just, I was pretty pessimistic about it, but sure enough, he showed up on that Sunday. Nice young man and, and he came for a while and then we didn't see him for a while. And then he showed back up and he was consistent to every service. He had missed several weeks, maybe several months. And then he was back and he came to every service. And he says, can I talk to you sometime? I said, Sure. And so he starts telling me about the last few years of his life. He's out of college. He's starting his career. Uh, He had been on the West Coast for a a temporary job. He's an outdoorsman. He was was hiking on a a national park in California. And and he's he's going there. And and, and he says as he's walking down this this trail, suddenly the trail just gave way. There was an earth slide. And he fell about 30 feet just slid down there, and and he thought he was going, he thought he was going to get in some type of avalanche. He didn't know what was going to happen, and then it just stopped. And he said he was just he did he never really fell. He just kind of rode it the whole way down. And man, his heart was racing. He looked, and there was another cliff that would have been several hundred feet. And he's like, wow, that was amazing. And he said, thank you, God. And he said at that time in his life, he really wasn't walking with the Lord, he wasn't consistent with the Lord, but he recognized that, that was God, but nothing really changed in his life. He says, fast forward a few months, He is at another uh, location somewhere, he's doing another hike all by himself, and uh, he came to a, a river, and he said, I'm going to go swimming for a little bit, and he had his swim trunks, and he got those on, and He's out there swimming and there was, a, there was a big rock out there in the middle of this river and he wanted to go sw- swim to it and, and get up on that rock was his goal. And he, he swam out there and he gets his hands up on that rock and when he pulled himself up, his legs got sucked underneath this big rock out the body of this water. And it, and it took him under and he was holding on to this rock the best that he could and his, his legs got pulled under he said, the, the force was amazing. He said it pulled his shorts off, everything. He's just holding on there, and he's there for 15, 20 minutes holding on, and it's getting farther, and he, and he finally said, all right, God, and he let go. And he said his arms got stretched out behind him, and he went through this little crevice, and he was going through these twists and turns, and underneath this rock, and about 10 seconds later, he pops out over on the other side of this rock, down on the other end of the river, in this little shallow pool, and he's laying there in this water, and he's like, Suddenly his shorts float by him and he grabs him. And he's like, wow, God. What just happened? So then I was like, why are you telling me all this? And so he says, well, last week. He goes, you know, I started coming to church and then I quit. He goes, last week I was driving the motorcycle down this back country road. It's dusk. He goes, I'm going about 70 miles an hour. I'm opening it up. I'm having a good time. And a deer runs right out in front of me. He goes, I hit, I I, I lay the bike down. He goes, I'm skidding all the way down this road. The bike goes hurling by me. I finally come to a stop and I'm just laying there in the middle of this road. I start moving this finger and this hand and I can move everything. I get up and I walk around. I get up, I have one bent handlebar. He says, I felt like God said to me then, hey, buddy. Can you not see what I'm doing here? And he goes, God's been good to me. Three times I think God tried to get a hold of me. And he goes, I'm grateful for the mercies of God, and I don't want to forget them. And that guy got in church then. He started, I went through discipleship with me. Got right with God, got involved, married a girl in the church there, have multiple kids now serving the Lord. But it all came from a point of remembering God's mercies in his life. God being good to him. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every day. Remember God's mercies. Value each day. Remember God's mercy each day. Verse 15 and 16. Learn the lesson each day. Look at verse 15 and 16. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted Listen. I thought back to my days of childhood. I had good parents. I know not everybody has the same testimony as I did. Uh, I had good parents. They loved me and they disciplined me. Now, when I was getting disciplined, you know, the days of uh, meeting the Board of Education, the walk to the woodshed, go get your switch there for me, Mark. All those things that I had to do. I did not enjoy it then, but I look back and I say, I'm grateful I had parents that loved me. And they disciplined me the right way, the good way, the proper way. I'm grateful for that now, not always then, because it taught me some lessons. Now listen, there's things that we're going to do wrong, and God's going to bring chastisement, and you can learn from it, and you can even appreciate the chastisement God brings you through and allows in your life if you learn the lessons. But it's those hard-headed ones, right? It's those kids that have to go through it over and over that sometimes they don't appreciate it and it's because they're not learning the lessons. And so as we go through the difficulties of life and we go through the times of chastisement, let those lessons that God's trying to teach you learn them. I have found with God in my own personal life that when I'm going through testings and difficulties that God has brought into my life, He doesn't just let me fail them and move on. Well, here's enough, but I'll let you go anyways. I got to retake those tests until I pass them. And God will bring them to you again and again and again. So learn the lesson every day that God is trying to teach you. Value each day. Remember God's mercies each day. Learn the lessons each day. And finally, let God be God each day. Look at verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Let God do what he does best. And that's taking bad situations, difficult situations, hard situations, even sometimes at my own fault, things that I've done. But when I may get right with God, God is able to make good out of the bad, isn't he? Romans 8, 28, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his word. God can take my mess ups, the difficulties of life, and God can make good out of them. Watch God make something beautiful even out of difficulties, even out of tragedies. Today is a gift from God. You ought to value it. Today is a gift from God. You ought to remember God's mercies today. Today is a gift from God. So learn the lesson that God has for you today. Today is a gift from God. Let God be God and make it a beautiful day. Make it a good day. The gift of time. Let's take it a day at a time. Let's take it a moment at a time. Throughout this day, Let's look to God and trust Him, value it, remember His mercies. Uh, uh, All these things we've talked, let's let God be God in these things. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This day and every day is a gift from God. So we look to you this morning and ask you, what, what kind of... Circumstance are you going through situation are you going through difficulty are you going through what's God teaching you how's God's worked in your heart and in your life today so Lord's touched your heart we want you to respond this morning in just a moment we're going to pray and we're going to have the piano play for just a moment. We're going to have what we call an invitation. It's an opportunity for you either there at your pew or here at the altar today to talk to God. We have some folks here that would pray with you and help you if you need that. Or you can just feel free to come and talk to the Lord all on your own. Perhaps God's been working in your life about some decisions you need to make. Perhaps you're here and you never have trusted Christ as your Savior. We would love to share with you how you can know Christ as your Savior. Perhaps church membership, baptism. There's a myriad of things God could be working in your heart with. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. Father, help us today as we conclude our service and we close with this invitation. An opportunity for us to respond as you've worked in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, I pray today that you would help us to appreciate the time that you've given us. We recognize that we have a brief time here on this earth and that every day needs to be lived for you. Lord, help us to value these days and remember your mercies, to learn the lessons that you have, you're trying to teach us, and to let you work and lead in our lives and make good out of everything. Lord, you know the hearts here, you know the needs. Work in them as only you can do in Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, would you stand with me today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and as the piano begins to play, the Lord's touched your heart. This altar is available for you. You may even bow your knee there at your pew. Make an altar right there. Or you may just want to bow your heart today. But be obedient to the Lord this morning.